1: If you guys would stand with me while I read the word. It's from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth, or and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work with us within us, to Him be. Glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Yes. Amen. Man, I love, I love that scripture. And I want to stay standing, we're gonna pray. And I just pray that we would receive that prayer from, from Paul there right now. So would you join me in prayer, Lord? We do want to be rooted and grounded in your love. I pray that for everybody here, Lord. And I pray that we would experience the this, this, this love that you have for us, that just goes beyond knowledge and comprehension and understanding. Lord, may we all experience that on a regular basis, not just in moments like these. We invite your love to be here and among us. Oh, we, we pray that your love would change our hearts. That your love would would transform us from the inside out, Lord Jesus. I'm praying that for everybody here in this room, everybody joining us right now online. Lord, I pray that the power of your love would be so real today. Uh, And and Lord, we just thank you for your love. Lord, it's it's amazing, Lord. So we thank you for that, that you freely give that to us uh, no matter what, Lord. And we don't want to take that for granted. And also, Lord, we just, uh, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today, Lord. Use me, Lord. Help me as I communicate your word, Lord. I just pray that it would come out uh, appropriately, correctly, Lord. And, and, and may your heart, the heart of your message, be so clear in, in this message today. I pray in Jesus' name. We pray, and Lord, one last time. This is make a blanket covers prayer for the sons. May they continue to win. This week and next week and win the finals, amen, In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You have a seat. Just got to just do one last prayer for the sons, just cover it all from the, for the rest of the season. All right? Hey, so we're starting a new series today, it's called Love Different. So this is going to be our summer series that we're going through the next uh, you know, month and a half or so for the rest of the summer, kind of even kicking off into August school year, fall here. So this is going to be the summer of love. Are you ready for this? Summer of love. Love different. And uh, I'm excited for next week, by the way. I, I, I'm going to miss next week, unfortunately, but we're going to have, apparently, according to the slide, you see there's going to be four different churches that are going to be showing up here next week. There's going to be a Bell Road Church, Iglesia Hispana, Rivers Church, and Iglesia Aguano de Sierrto. So it's going, to be, it's going to be phenomenal. You don't want to miss next Sunday. <laughs> but uh, make sure you're here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a good Sunday to be here, since, especially since it's on the 4th of July. I think it'll be great. But, uh, and we'll continue on in this Love Different series. I'm excited about this. I'm excited to talk about the love of God. So let's talk about the mission of Rivers Church here. The mission, and hopefully you memorize this and this becomes a part of your life. But here's the mission of our church love people, live like Jesus. And lead others to him. Well, that was great. We just You we said it with me. I love it. Let's do it all together. That was great. Love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to him. We want to be a people that love well. That's our hope. That is our heart. And that's our calling. And this is central to the message of Jesus. He has called us to love people. And he actually basically said, your love for God is going to be revealed and shown by your love for people. So let's look at Mark 12. This is recorded. Let's go right into Mark 12 here. Verse 28, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus... It's funny he says that because then he says two things, right? He answers two things. Hear, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And with this statement right here, these sentences right here, Jesus shows us what's really important. He shows us what you and I need to focus on in our life. He's given us just really the main the main thing, the main priority. Love God and love other people. So what's interesting is this guy is asking Jesus, hey, can you tell us which one of all the commandments is the most important one? Which is actually a good question for that time period because did you know that they were supposed to follow 633 commandments? So... I think if I was that dude and this guy showed up and he's like, this appears. This Jesus guy seems to be the Messiah, I'm gonna ask him because I just need some help. Like, hey, hey Jesus, I'm struggling to follow all 633 of these commandments. Can you just kind of help the brother out here and kind of narrow it down to like, what's the most important one? I wanna make sure I get that one right. Great question, right? Like if I said to you, hey, here's what it means to be a part of Rivers Church and to be a follower of Jesus. So you gotta make sure you download our 83-page document. And it will give you detail, detailed uh, way for how you need to follow 633 commandments. And then you can be a part of our church and follow Jesus. Like, you'd be like, I'm out, right? Like, there's no, way. there's no way any of us could do that or even want to do that. And so, great question by this guy. Jesus, can you narrow this down? Jesus doesn't give them one answer. He gives them two answers. Essentially, when he says, love God and love people, he is connecting our love for people. It shows if our love for God is Real. Now, the religious leaders of this time, they outwardly demonstrated a love for God, but inwardly, and Jesus knew this, is why he called them out, but their hearts were far from God. Oh, they went through all the religious motions. They knew their Bible better than most of us, they were way into spiritual disciplines. They worshiped God on a regular basis. They did all the right things, yet they struggled to, to truly, genuinely love God. And especially, they struggled to love people. They were judgmental. They were defensive. They looked down on other people. They were better than other people. So Jesus is trying to make a point. He's saying, This is what really, really matters it's love. And so this is why we're spending the whole summer. Let's talk about this love thing. And the way Jesus calls you and I to love is different than the way we see love in the world. So that's why we're calling this love different. See, when you read through the teachings of Jesus, you'll see that love is is central to his teachings. He consistently points us back to this. Love really is the main measurement for our spiritual maturity. Because you and I can be fine with God and and I've seen this happen. Maybe you've been there. Maybe I've been there before. Where it's like I'm fine with God, but it's easy to be in this place where I'm fine spiritually. Me and me and God were like this, but I struggle to get along with other people. And that's immaturity, because maturity is shown by how I not just love God, but love other people. And so I've seen people even in the name of you know I guess I would call it their their. Hyper-spiritual, extra-spiritual, it's like, you know, God tells me to do this. I hear God, he speaks to me, and, and he probably does. But if you want to bring any other suggestions or even biblical correction and direction to their life, they don't receive that from anybody because they listen to only God. And that's a scary thing when your vertical relationship with God is the only thing that matters. Jesus is saying, you're, you're, you're missing half of it. That's, that is definitely a part of it. Love God, but it's going to be shown through a love for people. I think that if we're unable to love people, then our love for God is not genuine. If we're truly unable to love people, we don't really love God. I think that we're just in a place where we're, just, we're thankful for the love he's given us, but we don't really love him back. And we struggle to, 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 to love people what we're doing, I think, is we're actually essentially using the love of God. We're just using it to make us feel better. Kind of like we use other things in life, right? We use lots of things, and they make us feel better. They're good. They're, they're, they're fine. You know, like I love my, I love my car my car's great it's with the exception of a few scratches from a nasty storm that took it kind of scratched all up a few years ago other than that my car is awesome i'm thankful for my car i love my car i thank god for my car on a regular basis actually and so it's a good car but that car doesn't change my life it, like it doesn't change my heart it doesn't transform me from the inside out and so <laughs> i just it's just something that I, that I use, and if I say I love God, but it, his love is not transforming me from the inside out, I'm just using the love of God like I use any other item in my life. You see, if I truly do love God and I'm experiencing his love on a regular basis, then I am going to genuinely love other people. I had someone share with me last year. They said, and think back to, you know, last year was a tough year, right, especially Think about a year ago, June of 2020. Man, that was difficult, emotional for for everybody. I had someone tell me, I cannot be in the same room with that person and worship God. And I thought, that's an interesting statement because they're they're a believer and they're gonna be with you in eternity. Um, So... The, the, the premise of that, that statement was basically, they think differently than me. They act differently than me. I disagree with them, and I am so upset about it, I can't even be in the same room and worship God. And we got to be careful when we find our hearts going to those places. Because essentially what we're doing is we are elevating our opinion above people. And that's a scary place to go to again, that's why we gotta come back to the teachings of Jesus. Jesus has called us to love God, right? And to love people. And so sometimes we get to this place where we feel like it's okay for me to, to not love them, to, to look down on them, and we can justify this. Like the religious people of the day, they justified this very well. I think this is why Jesus made this statement in Matthew 5. Just in case we feel like we can justify not loving people, he says this. He says, you've heard that it was said, to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, and he kind of raises the bar even more, he says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Can you do this? Can you live this out? Let me tell you, with God's help, it is possible. As you allow his presence, the spirit of God work in your life and experience his love, it is possible. It's not easy, but it's possible to love your enemy. Did you know that? And it is possible to love even those who hurt you, who wrong you, who persecute you. I think that's why Jesus says pray for those who persecute you. Because when you begin to pray for somebody, your heart begins to change. Have you noticed that? You pray for somebody that you just like, I don't like them. You pray for them. You pray God blesses them. God moves in their life. God's favor over them. You keep doing that. I promise you, your heart is going to shift. Pray for those who persecute you, and your heart will move because Jesus has called us to love everyone. I think that's the point of this, right? Like, There's no exceptions to who you're not allowed to love. Everybody, even your enemy, even those people who persecute you. And so, if we're not careful, we can be like the religious leaders who justified like, I don't have to love them. I don't have to love them. I look down on them. Uh, we can do the same thing. And we can just, we're, we're thinking things, even saying things like, well, you don't know what they did to me. Man, this is what they said. Can you believe they said this? Can you believe that they actually believe this? They think this. That is so, so wrong, and we just get so upset about Okay, a- again, when our opinion becomes more important than people, we've entered religiosity. That's where we've gone And Jesus came to get rid of religiosity. Like He he wanted to destroy religiosity. Religiosity makes our principles more important than people. And Jesus wants us to love people. So we're not about destroying principles. Be a man or woman of principle. Very important. But this is why Jesus kind of elevated this principle. Love people. That's the most important principle right there. You want to start with that. You want to lead with, with love. So wrestle with this question for a moment. Is it more important to be right or is it more important to love? If you're married, it's very important that you don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> if you don't know the answer to that question, let me just encourage you to seek some godly counsel. Is it more important to be right or to love? Uh, I'll be honest with you. If I can be vulnerable... I love to be right, especially in the marriage context. And if you ask Amy, don't ask Amy, but if you did, she would say, yeah, Tyrone loves to be right. And there's moments where we get into heated discussions, even in arguments, and it usually centers around, I'm right, she's not, or she thinks she's she's right, I'm not, right? It's, It's all about that. And eventually, we gotta, we got to let it go and realize, okay, it's more important to love. Okay, then let's talk about it. Because then when I start loving, then I can listen, I can understand, all of that kind of stuff. But we love to fight for our position, right? We want to be right. It feels good to be right, but what's more important? More important to be right or more important to love? And as Christians, unfortunately, we've had this tendency to just want to be right. We have the truth. And if you live contrary to what we believe, then we're going to judge you. We're going to look down on you. You're living a, a lie. And we, as followers of Christ, as people of the church, need to be self aware enough to understand that in our culture, most people are not believers, unfortunately. I and mean, we've got to be self-aware enough to understand that we have an image problem. Because people outside the church know us more about what we're against than what we're for. Because we've elevated truth and just yelled truth and what's right and what's wrong, and we have failed to elevate love over that. And so it's so important, guys, that we love and don't just fight for What's right, what's true, and all that kind of stuff. It's important that those things are. You know, we, even within the church, you know, we, we have things what we like to call open handed issues and close handed issues. There's some close handed doctrinal, theological issues that all center around Jesus and the gospel. And then some, a, a lot of Jesus' teachings uh, you know, that are very clear, that are kind of close handed, that it's important that we understand the teachings of Jesus and, like, this is what it means. And so we don't debate those. We actually agree and unify around those things. But then there's lots of open-handed things, too, that it's okay. You might think differently than even me on certain things, and that is okay. I believe God's okay with that as we continue to struggle with theological things. You know, there's like the, the Calvinism camp and the Arminianism camp. And so if when you get saved, can you lose your salvation? Or when you get saved, are you always saved from that point on? Okay, that's one of those open-handed issues where it's like, I could take you to Scripture, and I could show you very clearly that you can lose your salvation. But I could take you to Scripture and show you very clearly that it's, it, at least it seems like you can't lose your salvation. And it'll, it'll just mess you up. And you're like, which one's right? Very smart, godly, amazing people are on both camps. And that's okay. I think I think we can love each other even if we disagree each other on that. Now, it's important to come to your conclusions and have your principles and where you're at. That, that's totally good. Study the Word of God and get to the place where you're like, this is what I see the Word of God saying. Develop your principles, but when someone disagrees with you, love them. This is one of those you know, theological disagreements that has caused arguments and fights and division within churches and within movements and within families, unfortunately. And it's okay if if people think differently on some of these other theological issues. We can still love each other. Believe that. And there's other issues that are, you know, we'd say close-handed that we've got to make sure we handle with grace and love as well. So as you talk about principles of morality, principles of sexuality even, this is one of those, a big one, that I think that as a church we've dropped the ball in, Unfortunately. So we believe that God has created all of us as sexual beings. And we can enjoy and freely exp- express our sexuality in the context of marriage, which is a covenant relationship between one man and one woman. That's what we see Jesus clearly teaching. Right? So what happens, though, is we've taken this principle and we've elevated it above loving people. And we've looked down on people who would disagree with us and would live Contrary to that. And so, several decades ago, you know, as people started, you know, coming out of the closet, you know, we can address the homosexuality thing, people in the church judged them, looked down on them, shunned them, shamed them. And therefore, they're like, well, then I want nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus. Single girls would get pregnant, and the church would shun them, shame them, ostracize them, and kick them out of the church. And they're like, I want nothing to do with Jesus if this is what this is all about. And we failed to meet people right where they're at and love them. Right where they're at. And so it's important that we handle these things properly. So again, it's not about compromising principles, but it's about elevating the main principle, love. Love love well, love differently. You know, if I were to have a a conversation with with a homosexual person, this is how I would try to have the conversation. This is where it would go. I would say, first of all, I'm sorry for how the church has treated you in the past. Would you forgive us? Second of all, I want you to know that no matter what, I love you. Third of all, just because I disagree with you does not mean I don't love you. Fourthly, can I just reiterate? that I love you no matter what. That was that would be how I would try to lean into that conversation, because they are a human being who needs to feel loved by me, not judged or looked down upon. And so we want to lead with love as we have these conversations. So our desire to be right and elevate truth and principle has caused us to look down on people and has has hindered our ability to actually have relationship and dialogue and conversation that could eventually lead for someone to encountering the love of Jesus. That's the goal, right? Is it to be right or is it to love? Huh, you with me here? So I think our ability to love really reveals our maturity. Like I said earlier, love is the measurement of maturity. Love Is the core measurement for are we spiritually mature or not? And if we struggle to live out this love thing, then we're hindering our spiritual growth. And we are keeping ourselves immature. Paul, you can see that Paul got this. Now, Paul's interesting because he was a guy that hated Christians in the church at first. Like he persecuted Christians, imprisoned them, killed them. Then he has an encounter with Jesus, and he goes from like number one enemy of the church to number one planter of churches. It's this radical transformation of Paul. And so Paul, as he grows and, you know, the Spirit of God is teaching him, as he hangs out with the, the other disciples of Jesus, he's seeing, okay, this love thing is priority, which is why we get 1 Corinthians 13, which we won't go to today, but 1 Corinthians 13 is famously the love chapter. People love to use it at weddings. You know, love is patient and kind and good, and we're going to live out this perfect love in our marriage for the rest of our lives. You know, that's kind of a thing, Right? It's the love chapter, which really is not Paul's ode to love. Let me just wax poetic about love for a few moments. Paul is actually elevating love, and he's saying this is how you sp- are spiritually mature. It's a, it's a maturity chapter. Because he's talking about some good things like spiritual gifts and all that kind of, hey, that's great. But then he elevates love above that. Make sure you love people. You speak in tongues? Awesome. You prophesy? Awesome. But if you don't love people... Why are you doing it? Okay, so it's, it's a spiritual maturity chapter. Okay, so then we get to Ephesians 3, and, and this is where Paul, again, and, and you can see Paul pointing us to the love of God. And I just love these verses. Shea read these to us earlier, but I want to look at them again because I pray that these verses would describe us. Again, I want us to receive this prayer from Paul. Paul is praying for his friends in Ephesus. we want to just receive this for ourselves again. Let's look at Ephesians 3 again, verses 14. We'll just stop at 19 this time. For this reason, Paul prays and says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. I love that. That's my prayer for you too. That you would be rooted and grounded in love. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. May our hearts experience this on a regular basis. So that no matter what happens... If I'm rooted and grounded in love, I'm going to be okay. What you're rooted and grounded in matters, right? The foundation of your life matters. That's why I pray that your life spiritually. Your heart would be rooted and grounded in the love of God. So then someone says something to you, says something about you that you can still love because you're rooted and you're grounded in love. When the storm comes and hits you and you experience tragedy in life, things get tough, you're going to be okay. You can still love God. You can still love people because you're rooted and grounded in his love. When somebody really hurts you or offends you or does something that, 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 that just really upsets you, you are rooted and grounded in love, so you can still love. When somebody says something to you that you completely disagree with, you aren't going to get upset at them and, and, and cancel them out of your life because you are rooted and grounded in love and you can give love. If you find someone actually votes differently than you, shame on them. You are rooted and grounded in love so you can still love them. No matter what happens in life, you are rooted and grounded in love so you can still love. That's what Paul is saying here. I love that. Rooted and grounded in love. This, it's the foundation. Our roots are going down deep into the love of Christ. And we're not allowing bitter roots to grow, by the way. Hebrews talks about that. These bitter roots can grow, and it affects our life, poisons our life and other people. We might even address that specifically in the series because one of the things we, we potentially are going to do is address those things in our life and in our heart that hinder our ability to love. Bitterness is one of them. Bitter roots. So we want to be rooted and grounded in Love. And uh, let's go to John 13 because we're going to end here in in John chapter 13. And this is where Jesus, at the end of his ministry, now he's told us to love God and love people. And then at the end of his ministry, this is the night before he goes to the cross, he kind of narrows it down even a little bit more. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 say this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another again you can see as followers of jesus we're called to love differently our love is supposed to be so different that it's it's supposed to cause us to stand out from the rest of the world we are called to be the greatest lovers of people on planet earth we are called to love well and as we do that who will know Everyone, You see that word? Everyone will know. Jesus's priority is clear. That's why I love that we call, what we do on Thursdays, love where you live. Because we're just trying to love people, right? And the whole premise is we're going to love people where we live right here in, in, in this area. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus and just extend his love to people. Now, you may not love where you live, but can you love where you live? And there's a difference, right? Because I know some of you, you just like enduring the season of Phoenix. Like, I can't wait till I'm out of the valley. You know, it's like, get me out of here. You know, especially this time of the year, maybe you're struggling, and it's it's tough, because it's so hot and all, all this. And so, like, I don't love living here, but can you regardless, love where you live? And it's important that we love people around us. And so, I'd invite you to join us on Thursdays as we just go practically serve people. We've been starting at 6. We're looking at starting at 6.30 starting this Thursday. But let us know on the, on the Connect card. Um, you can sign up because we want to have a bunch of people. That we're going to do this all summer long. And so uh, join us any and every sun or Thursday if you can, 6.30, for this love where you live. And this is just, again, just a practical way for you and I to be different. Who else is just going into a neighborhood and just seeing what can we do to help and serve? That's what we want to do. That's the kind of love we want to show. So think about this. Is the love that is demonstrated by Christians right now, is it different from the love that's demonstrated by those who aren't Christians? Maybe we can get a little bit more personal, go a little bit deeper into that. Is the quality of love inside the church better than the quality of love outside the church? I hope so. It should be. Jesus says it should be, right? That's the that's the goal. We will be known by love. Like, you take that statement by Jesus and think about this. If, if I'm not known by love, am I really a disciple of Jesus? Because Jesus clearly said, you will be known by this. And if I'm not known by this, if I'm known by being judgmental, or if I'm known by something else, like my my wealth or my personality, if I'm known by my, even my bad attitude or whatever, like what am I known by? Maybe that's a good question. What am I known by? A disciple of Jesus is called to be known by love. And I pray that that's what you be known by. Known by love. Everyone, Jesus says, will know you by love. What's interesting is Jesus says this is a new command, right? A new command I gave you to love one another. Okay, like, okay, Jesus, we've heard this before. It's not new. He's like, wait, 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 let me finish this sentence here. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Oh, okay. So what Jesus essentially is doing, you know, because he said love God, love people, but now he's kind of bringing clarity and, and, and focus to this. Here's how you, Here's how I want you to love. Love the way that I have loved you. So he's making it less complicated, but it's actually more difficult to live out. So this new command is less complicated, but more demanding. Because the way Jesus loved us was to the extreme. Like he laid down his life for you and I. He went to the cross for you because he loved you. And so Jesus is saying, as I have loved you, so you must love the world. That is the most powerful form of love. It's self-sacrificial. It's a servanthood love. It is a love that I think you and I can only truly give as we experience and receive his love on a regular basis and allow the power of his love to transform and change our heart. Then we can give and live the kind of love that Jesus has given to us. It's less complicated but it's definitely more demanding, wouldn't you say? And so let's go back to the beginning of chapter 13 there in John, beginning of chapter 13. I love these, these first few verses. Because again, this is just the night before Jesus went to the cross. It was just before the Passover feast and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Let me just pause right there. let think about that. Jesus now is gonna show them the full extent of his love. You know, Jesus is about ready to save humanity, to save mankind from their sin the next day by going through the cross, to pay the penalty of death, a place that we deserve to be. Jesus is like, I'm gonna take your place for you. And so on his last night of his ministry here on earth with his disciples, what does he do? He goes out to dinner with them. This is great. I just love how Jesus does this. He has a meal. But it's in this meal that he does something pretty pretty significant and pretty profound. First of all, he pulls out the bread and says, Hey, this bread symbolizes my body, which is gonna be broken. And in this cup here, here, this symbolizes. My blood, which is gonna be spilt on the cross, and they're like not quite getting it because he hasn't done this yet. But he's like, I want you to do this for like uh, like forever until I return in remembrance for what I'm about ready to do for you on the cross. So he institutes this thing we call communion, which we have available every Sunday when at the end when we worship and all that. Yeah, I mean, you can do it anytime, uh, any in the beginning worship and worship, if you want, but that's available for you. Where we can remember the significance of the body and the blood of Jesus what he did for us. And then it says at the end of that meal, Jesus took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and he got down on his knees and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Doug, could I have you come and sit here? Be our disciple. This is a pretty powerful, powerful moment here, if you think about it, where Jesus gets into this posture on his knees, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Now, washing feet isn't, like, very significant for us anymore. It's like, okay, you know, it's, it's different. But it was a big deal then. This is something only slaves did. This is something really even the disciples should have done for Jesus, which is why Peter says, no, 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 Jesus. You, I, I don't deserve this. And Jesus is like, hey, if I don't do this, you have no part of me. And then Peter's like, okay, well, do my whole body then. Because I just want to be part of it. He just showed his love right there. I love Peter. He's just one of those guys, you know, that thinks out loud, says out loud. You know, anybody think out loud. You just say what you're thinking. That's it's Peter, I think. Do my whole body. And so Jesus begins to wash his feet. And he goes on and he does the same thing to to John, to Andrew. Now remember what it says there is Jesus is showing them the full extent of his love. And this is the beginning moment of him as he, you know, he does the communion, but then he gets down on his knees and he begins to serve. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And now he's practically on his knees and he is serving, doing what a teacher, a master, a rabbi, a leader should not do but he's saying, this is how I'm calling you to live. He washes all the disciples' feet, even Judas. He is washing the feet of the man he knows is gonna betray him in just a few hours. You see, I love about Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, love your enemies, he actually shows us. The person who's gonna betray him, Jesus washed his feet as well. What an act of love. It's an amazing portrayal of love, don't you think? And it's it challenges us to respond in the same way. Can I love people that even are going to betray me or have betrayed me? We don't understand foot washing these days, but I think we understand this posture. This posture right here. This is a posture of servanthood. This is a posture of love. Think about this posture right here. How's that feel, Doug? And I said we have an image problem in the church. This is the posture that too many people see and feel from the church. well, yeah, they're living according to sin. It's sinful. It's wrong. You know, we got the truth and they need to know what's right. Okay, okay, yes, yes. But if you don't love them, they're never gonna wanna listen to you and they're never gonna listen to the Jesus you serve. This posture, we get this posture and we get this posture. This is a posture of humility, of love, servanthood. You see, guys, we gotta be careful we don't talk like this we can get there like you talking at work and you know maybe you say can you believe so and so voted for so and so just so stupid that they would even do that you know we start saying things and someone else hears us and they're like man that's so judgmental but we got to be careful how we talk about things cuz you don't know who's listening what's going on and if we are very judgmental in how we talk this is what people hear and feel And so we've got to make sure we approach things nowadays with love. So important, with love. As you talk about truth, do it in love and a posture of humility. You might even have to ask questions from somebody who completely disagrees with you just to seek to understand where they're at so they know you care and love them. That's good dialogue we need more dialogue these days if there's one thing we need to get better at is having good healthy mature conversation these days about things we even disagree with and i I feel like as a church we need to lead the way in this and not come at it from a truth judgmental standpoint but come at it from a love standpoint so that they feel like they trust us to share where we're at We can share truth. We can share Jesus with them. But this this hinders our ability to share that. It just breaks the bridge, right? This builds a bridge right here. Hey, friends, we're called to love differently. Love differently. And I love how Jesus modeled this for us. This is such a powerful moment that he would even wash the feet of Judas. Thanks, Doug. You know, Doug is, is uh, a part of our Monday Men group. I love what God's doing in our Monday Men and our Wednesday Night Flourish ladies group. And we're going through First Timothy this year, this summer. And something struck me in First Timothy. As we were reading it this last week, I'd encourage you to go if you're able to go to, to one of those groups. It's great. But again, go back to Paul. Paul Paul got this, and he says in verse 5 of chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, he says, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Man, I pray that you and I would have that. Clear, a pure heart, a good conscience, sincere faith. The goal of this command, basically Paul is saying, hey, as I write to you, Timothy, and all this instructions and this, this, this word, this letter, this book, all these other things, the goal of all the teachings, all the commands, the goal of all of it is love, Paul is saying. I'll never forget preaching that verse for one of our students that we lost years ago. Uh, he, he died of cancer. And God gave me this verse for him and for that, that memorial specifically because it was a, such a tragedy, such a hard thing for us to do. It was one of the hardest funerals, memorials of my life from one of my own teenagers. But he was a believer. And so you could say, man, what a tragedy, what a loss of life, and you know, this shouldn't be. But I was able to get up there and say, hey, if the goal is love, Justin nailed it. <laughs> he nailed it, because this is the goal, friends. So Paul is basically kind of really reiterating in different words what Jesus said. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. And I pray that in God's grace, you and I can live this out, this different kind of love. And I pray that we would be rooted and grounded in his love so that we can. Lord, help us to live this thing out. Lord, teach us this summer as we dive into the, his love and I just pray that his love would be a reality that we experience on a regular basis so that we can give it. Amen, why don't we stand to your feet and we're gonna pray. take a moment close your eyes and let's just pause right here Lord what are you speaking to me what do you want me to get out of this what do you want me to know what do you want me to do just listen before we go on here just listen If you're listening, you're with us right now and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and fully received and experienced him and all of his love for you, I would encourage you to do so today. He loved you so much that he went to the cross and he died for your sins. And So all you gotta do is ask for forgiveness, repent and recognize Jesus, my sins put you there. So thank you, forgive me. Give your life to Him and commit to following Him. Would you do that today? Because I want you to experience the power and the reality of His love. I want you to be in this relationship that you were born for, you were designed for. For the rest of us, I pray that we would not use the love of God, but we would experience the love of God. We would surrender to the love of God. And that that His loving presence would become so such a regular part of our life that just love comes out of us. I pray that you would be so full of God's love that you'd be known by love. And so we're gonna take some time here. We're just going to, just again, just invite God's love to fill us, to move in us, to change us. Some of us, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's put roots down right here in this place so we can be rooted and grounded in his love. So we're not just using his love, but we are established in his love. We are living out of the love of God so that we can love different. Lord, I pray that all of us would experience the breadth, the width, the depth, the height of your love. Goes beyond knowledge. Huh. God, your love is so powerful; we can't even understand it, and we're just so thankful for it. So, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that your your loving presence would fall, would be here, Lord. I pray this for everybody listening, Lord, Holy Spirit, that your loving presence fall, that your loving presence begin to consume our hearts. I pray that this would not be a concept but a reality that we experience because it's you. It's you. You're real. You're you're here. You're alive, and and you're showing us your love. You're filling us with your love. Would you do that right now in the name of Jesus by the power of your spirit, God, as we come to you, we worship you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would move. Lord, I pray that you would release miracles, Lord. I pray for healings to take place because of your love. Lord, I pray that you would change hearts, soften hearts. Lord, draw people to you because of your, your love. Lord, we just want to see you move in and among our lives in these next few moments. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.